Uh, we're going to dismiss the kids to Kingdom Kids at this time, so uh, you guys are going to meet your leaders right back there. And why don't we just let the kids know how much we love them as they head out to Kingdom Kids. All right. Wow, we got a bunch today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know it's midsummer and uh, families are still traveling, getting in the last vacation before school starts in a couple of weeks. And uh, some of you are still, some of you probably at home are still battling with the illnesses. And uh, we pray that you would get better soon. And, and it's just kind of that summer, that summer scattering. And uh, so we're looking forward to getting the church family uh, back together in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we're looking forward to today. Uh, it has been a busy summer, and we do want to uh, start announcements with some celebrations. Uh, last Sunday, we just want to praise God for the baptisms that happened out on the patio. Yeah, you can uh, put those up right there. There it is, the inflatable baptismal sauna spa, 90 degree. That, uh, that was awesome. You know, and, and we celebrate that as a church family. It is just an incredible privilege and opportunity uh, as, for us to be a part of that. Uh, if you leave that one up, it's really cool because uh, Chris, who's next to me in that picture, you know, we had said, you know, maybe someone out there in that afternoon, you'll, you'll just kind of feel prompted to, to jump in and get baptized. And, and that was Chris last Sunday. And, uh, you know, he just felt led of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit to get baptized. And it was our privilege to kind of do that impromptu, spontaneous thing with Chris. So uh, we want to let you know, you know, sometimes uh, the way that church works, you know, we try to calendar everything and we try to put things on, on the schedule. When it comes to baptisms, we really don't want to quench or constrain the Holy Spirit. If you've not been baptized and you want to be baptized, you don't have to wait for the quarterly calendar to come out for the next baptism. Let one of us know. We can, uh, we can fire that uh, baptismal up anytime. Uh, we, we got several families who have swimming pools, and we can uh, uh, join you over there. But uh, by all means, by all means, baptism is an incredible celebration. It's just a, a wonderful time to, to really externally uh, declare to the world, you know what, I love the Lord, and Baptism is my way of showing that. So we celebrate that. Uh, also celebrating youth and youth ministry and what God has been doing through the team this summer. This past Wednesday, they had their first all-nighter. And uh, how many of you are way past all-nighter? How many of you call it like 8 o'clock is like all night for me, all right? Well, that generation still loves all-nighters. They went to golf and stuff first, came back here around 10 o'clock, and then they, I think they, a lot of them made it all night. And then uh, Nadine and I showed up to cook breakfast and give the leaders a break for a bit. Uh, but incredible, incredible uh, ministry happening uh, this summer. Uh, and for uh, the teens, just want to let you know, uh, on Wednesday, August 24th, you're invited to the uh, all-family gathering that we're having. That's sort of the official kickoff to fall, and so the teens are invited there. And then Crossroads will kick off the following week after that, Okay. Uh, women's, like I said, uh, women's event coming up tomorrow, and uh, this is Kathy Bodycomb. If you don't know her, she's the uh, ministry lead over women's ministry. Good morning. Um, just, to, just a reminder, tomorrow is, uh, tomorrow evening, we are having our discussion on the reflection of the Psalms. Um, I do want to thank all the women who have um, shared, uh, like, every week, as Kathy did today. Um, you know, we all have a story. We all have a journey. And 
to have the word of God speak to us along that journey is amazing. Um, it is what we want to hear. We want to hear that God is for us. We want to hear that God is with us. And reading the Psalms gives us sometimes the words to say to him and his word to us. And so thank you, each of you who have shared part of your journey, part of your story that includes um, God speaking to you through the Psalms. Um, so tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, here at the well, um, just all women are invited. Please come. We will have dessert, um, if that influences anyone to come. Um, and there are still a few of these um, kind of the questions or study type of guide. Um, you don't have to do it, but it's just, if you'd like it, we still have a few that are out on the cart um, for that for tomorrow night. And just a quick reminder that there's the um, watercolor workshop. Few spaces are still available. That's August 27th. 9.30 here at the well. So thanks. Great. Thank you, Kathy. A couple more things uh, coming up. Uh, next Saturday, uh, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, uh, myself and my wife, we're hosting, facilitating a parenting class uh, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. here. And, and really the heart of the class is just a biblical foundation of understanding, you know, what does it mean to, to raise a family? What, is that, what does that mean? What does scripture say? Uh, because if we don't take the time to think about that, oftentimes we sort of just parent the way we were parented. Or maybe we just sort of, you know, pick and choose and ask various people. Uh, this class is designed for, for you, moms and dads. We really would like both of you to come, if at all possible, to really sit down and have an opportunity. We're going to sit through some uh, teachings from uh, two different parenting conferences, a uh, chance to answer some questions, and really to kind of call time out and say, wait a sec, you know, what is a family? What is God's definition of a family? What, what are we even aiming at, right? And so, because it's really easy, you know, I've had five kids, and they're, what, 20 to 30, just turned 30, and so we know what it's like, and, and sometimes, you know, you just get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent, and you go, 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 you get this, sports, school, da-da-da, and if you're not careful... If you don't chart a course, you know, you can just get caught up in the to-dos. And so uh, next Saturday, we're going to have a wonderful opportunity to uh, look at some incredible teaching and to build relationships with one another. I encourage you to come. Uh, right now, we have child care for those kids who are three years old and older and are potty trained, okay? Uh, the team has been incredible. They've been a, doing a great job trying to put it together. It's summer. It is so hard to get... Uh, staffing right now. So childcare right now is offered for those who are three years old and older who are potty trained, and there is a possibility they're still working through uh, nursery care. And if you're interested, uh, sign up on the welcome cart and let us know how many kids and maybe their ages, and we'll let you know about the nursery in the next day or two. Uh, but really, it's a chance for you to really come out and say, you know what, what are we doing? Are we, are we, are we, are we, where we, are we navigating this? What does God say? right? And to, to really take an honest look. And uh, again, it's not a parenting class on techniques and, you know, there's, you know, the whole spectrum on, on all kinds of different topics. This is really a biblical framework for a biblical approach to parenting. And just so you know, we have people coming who don't even have kids yet. We've got a couple couples coming who, uh, Lord willing, may, may at one point, um, <laughs> Have a child, maybe. Uh, we even have some singles coming 
who, you know, there's still a couple steps. They still got to wait on the Lord for the spouse. And they, but, but, you know, they, they're at that age where, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I don't, I don't, I'm not in a relationship yet, but I sure would like to know, you know, the biblical, kind of a biblical framework for parenting if and when the Lord wills that I get married and have kids. Again, it's, it's foundational. I think it's actually going to be very challenging because uh, we can just get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent and not really take the time to ask some hard questions, ask some real questions. Why are we doing this? What is the goal, and why do we even decide to do what we do? And you might find yourself uh, building some friendships with other parents and kind of be on the journey together, okay? So sign up on the, on the welcome card if you're interested, and we'll be in touch with you about the nursery. Uh, uh, in a couple of Wednesdays, we have Wednesday at the well. It's a Wednesday night, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and we really want to encourage you as a church family to come out it's designed to end the summer and sort of officially kick off the fall. It's just a fun night with family. We're going to be out on the patio. There'll be refreshments and games. And Are we going to jolly jump for this? I don't know if we're going to jolly jump. Maybe we're going to jolly jump. I don't know. But um, it's just to come out and regroup. Again, we know people are scattered with the last-minute vacations. And, you know, some of you I haven't seen all summer. So welcome back. Um, but come on out for Wednesday at the well. Just a fun night to kind of uh, uh, kick off the fall. And finally, Aubrey, where are you at, Aubrey? We have a, a wonderful opportunity um, through Homes of Hope, and uh, Aubrey wants to share that. Good morning. Uh, I'm going to move back here. Sorry, give me a second. Um. As you know, Mark and I and Susan are on the missions team um, to really pray about ways that we can serve in other places around the world, ways that we can be in prayer and helping those who are in need. Um, and something came to our attention a week or two ago through Homes of Hope, who you probably know we have partnered with for several years um, in Mexico, building homes for those who don't have them. Uh, so there is an opportunity for the people of Ukraine through Homes of Hope. Um, it's actually happening very quickly. Um, YWAM Homes of Hope is partnering with YWAM in Kiev, and the plan is to build 100 emergency shelters. They have really harsh and extreme winters there, and there are so many displaced people um, who don't have shelter without loved ones. Um, they've lost a lot. And they are looking to raise $6,000 per home. Um, it's $5,000 for a house, $1,000 for the furnishings, and they're building them August 23rd to September 4th. So it's happening very soon. Um, this is just directly from their website. We came to walk these streets, to enter broken homes, and to look at devastation with hope. We take a step in boldness. It is boldness to claim that God cares, that God has not forgotten, that he can provide. As much as our hearts are breaking with grief and compassion, we are filled with hope. We walk with hope, holding God's hand and introducing this hope to people in tears. Um, so if you feel called or led to give um, to this ministry, you can find it on the Wells homepage on the website. 
Um, the link is buildinghopewithukraine.com. Um, I personally have felt a desire to, in some way, help these people who have lost so much. So um, if you have any questions, talk to Mark or I, and please be praying for the people of Ukraine. Thank you. Ooh, how many of how many of us just needed that time of quiet and whew, so much happening on this planet? And I don't know about your life, but uh, I thought summer is supposed to be restful. <laughs> Anything but, right? Anything but. I like that song, Oh, Praise the Name, because uh, it reminds me and it ties right into how we ended last Sunday. And in fact, this morning, uh, right before I, I headed over here from my office, I, I looked down at my desk and I saw this ornament. And uh, it's an ornament that uh, I've given out probably two, at least two times in the 12 years we've been a church. Um, and uh, it's based on Titus 2, 9 and 10, what we looked at last Sunday. And I give it uh, when I do the Christmas Eve message. And, and if you were here last Sunday, we, we asked this question. And actually, uh, it's a great question to start with. It's why? And, and actually, we asked even a more fundamental question last Sunday. Why are you even here? Why are you here today? And, you know, just kind of ponder that. Why are you here? And, and if you were here last Sunday or if you listened to the message, hopefully you have an answer to that, uh, a biblical answer based on this ornament. This ornament makes sense, right? Why, why are you here? Why are you here? And, and I'm, I'm sure there's an entire spectrum of answers. And, and really, fundamentally, based on this ornament, we're here, and the totality of our life as believers should be at the core. The big answer to why is glorify God. All to the glory of Christ, right? And this ornament uh, is Titus 2, 9, and 10. If you remember last Sunday, it, there was a passage, Titus 2, 9, and 10, where they're talking to slaves. And they're saying, hey, slaves, as believers who are still slaves operating and living in horrific life conditions. Here's some what's and how's. Here's how to conduct yourself. And in verse 10, it says, the big, he gives the big why. So that you would, and it says on here, adorn the doctrine of God. And I shared last Sunday that oftentimes as believers, we live in the world of how and what. You come to church or you grow up in VBS or you grow up in the church and oftentimes it's here, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. And we get caught up in the doingness of following Jesus and maybe we don't even ask the question, well, why? Why? And if we don't have that answer, fundamental why in your life, you know what? That affects your enthusiasm, affects your passion, affects your motivation. And then even, even your faith becomes more about duty and drudgery. More about checking boxes. Some of you may be here, if you were honest with me, because you're supposed to. Because you would feel guilty if you didn't. Right? Because that's how you were raised. You're here because of tradition. You're here because it's good for your kids. I don't know why you're here, but fundamentally, you should be here because fundamentally, it helps and enhances your adorning of the doctrine. In fact, this word adorn is where we get the word cosmetics. Now, I'm looking out here, and I'm seeing cosmetics have been applied. <laughs> Maybe less so at home because you're at home. 
right? You're like, ah, no one will see me. Some of you at home are probably in pajamas, is my guess, right? How many of you, when we watch at home, you're in pajamas? Thank you very much for your honesty. Me too, right? Some of you don't even get out of bed to turn this thing on. You got this big old big screen, and you're like, let's watch church from bed, right? Coffee, breakfast, right? Adorn the doctrine, cosmetics. Why do you put on cosmetics? To make yourself, hopefully, more attractive, attractive, right? And this is where the word adorn also is ornaments. Why do we put ornaments on Christmas trees? To make them more attractive, right? So people go, ooh, look at that tree, right? And so our lives, fundamentally, the big why is to adorn the doctrine. We should be ornaments. We should cosmetically, the way we carry ourselves, should draw people to the gospel. Oh, praise the name. How we live our life should give glory to God. That's a fundamental why. And when you understand that, as we shared last Sunday, when you, get, when you grasp the why, you wrestle with the why, maybe you actually even have to be honest with, man, I just was raised with a bunch of what's. I was raised in the church, and we go to church because that's what we do. We go to church because that's what a good Christian family does. Never, never the why. Right? When you personally embrace why to the glory of God, suddenly, as we shared last Sunday, I had the bicycle wheel up here and the hub and all the spokes. When your why is settled, all to the glory of God, all the spokes in your life, your family, your marriage, your business, your career, your money, everything makes sense because everything is tied to the glory of God. Amen? It all makes sense. It's not compartmentalized anymore. Right? There's no, well, it's Sunday, now we're off the clock, now we kind of do what we want. In fact, that was one of the biggest challenges I've had when I was in youth ministry for bunches of years. That's how I got involved in ministry. And one of the biggest challenges I had was when kids would come to me and they would really have this desire to know God, they'd go to camp and they would want to worship, and yet they would say, you know, my biggest challenge is how my parents live at home. And, And they would struggle with this sort of, dual life and they were trying to figure out how to make sense of it because there was no consistency it wasn't all tied together okay so they were trying to wrestle with that and and that's why it's so important for you individually right i shared even last last sunday how much of a difference would it make in your marriage if if you husband said lord i at the core why my core why is i want to glorify you as a husband Versus, Lord, please let me, please change her and let her see it my way. Right? That's oftentimes in marriage, we're like, we're praying that God would do the work in the other person. Right? Go ahead and elbow the person next to you if that, you know, right? Elbow, elbow, right? Nudge, nudge. Versus, Lord, I want to be, I want, I want our family to glorify you. I want to be, I want, as a dad, I want to glorify you. As a mom, I want to glorify you. Suddenly, it's your own personal passion. Because you've embraced the why, right? As a single person, I want to glorify you. At work, I want to glorify you. With how I use my time and money, I want to glorify you. It all makes sense suddenly when you understand that your life in totality, in my life, is to be an ornament for Christ, to adorn the doctrine. So that's what we looked at. And I love God's timing in, in our series sometimes because 
We're going to come back now to the book of Philippians. We, we took a break for several weeks, and we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and looked at the theology of what it means to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, how to be empowered, you know, filled and walked. But we looked at all that. I encourage you. Uh, the title of that series is The Praxis of Power. I encourage you to go back and, and listen to it if you haven't. And so we're going to come back to Philippians 3, and in the passage that we're going to look at today, Paul is going to help us to even address and, and get clarity on, a, on the foundational what. What are we supposed to be about? If, 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 the fund, if the fundamental why is glorify God, what's the fundamental what? Right? And in Philippians 3, 1 through 11, we saw Apostle Paul was sharing his testimony. He was writing a letter to the Philippian church, the believers in Philippi. And the first 11 verses are kind of testimonial. And we saw in verses 1 through 11 how when he came to know Jesus, his values got flipped. And now he was so passionate about knowing Christ. He wanted to know the power of Christ. He wanted to know Christ. And then in verse 12 to 16, we're going to camp here for a few weeks. He gets to present tense. And he brings us up to speed. And he says, you know what? This is my what. This is now what I am about. Okay? So Philippians 3.12, he says this. Not that I have already obtained this. Now, what he's speaking to is knowing Christ, right? Fulfilling sanctification, right? He's not. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect or mature. But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Again, we're going to camp here for, for a few weeks because there's a lot in this passage. But verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I leave, Jordan, you can leave that up. I love this because right off the bat, he says, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Any amens to that? Right? We're all a work in progress, right? So turn to the person next to you and just say, hey, you know what? I'm a work in progress. Go ahead. I, I, I'm a work in progress, right? How many of you have good days? How many of you have not so good days when you really realize I am not, <laughs> right? One of those one step forward, two step back moments. You're like, man, I'm still a work in progress, right? How many of you married to someone who's still a work in progress? And you're like, Lordy, can you speed up the process a little bit, right? So, so I love this because he's like, you know, he's honest. I've not arrived. He just says, you know what? I've not arrived, but I have a goal. So I love, the, I love the honesty in that. Warren Wiersbe says this, a divine dissatisfaction is essential for spiritual progress. I love that. A divine dissatisfaction. What that says is, you know what? We can't get complacent. How many of you here celebrate that you are a new creation and God has literally changed you? The fact that you even want to be in church is a miracle, right? Like, wow, right? Okay, Celebrate that. We need to celebrate that. That's different than complacency and thinking like I've arrived. So, so on one hand, we don't want to go too far and say, I'm all that, 
right? One step away from walking on water here. Thank you very much. I'm good, right? The other side that you don't want to go to in this divine dissatisfaction is like becoming overly critical of yourself to where like I'm a horrible Christian, right? That's accusation from the enemy, okay? So, so when Paul's saying I, I, I haven't obtained it yet, it's a healthy, realistic assessment that, you know what? I've made great progress. I used to persecute the church. I don't anymore. My value systems are radically different, but I'm not there yet. How many would amen that? Right? That's good. That's good, right? Second Peter says, grow in the grace. We're to be growing. It's a process. But then he says this in verse 12, I press on. That word press on is to follow or press hard after, pursue with earnestness and diligence, with the desire of obtaining, to move quickly and energetically towards some objective. So he's about to tell us what what he's really after. And this is where it starts to get very challenging for us because if I were to ask you, what are you really after? What are you pursuing right now? Energetically, diligently, earnestly, right? Now, this is not meant to in any way disparage because it's not all bad stuff. So what are you pursuing? What are you pressing on toward? Your career? Financial stability? Relationship? What are you pressing on? What's got you right now? Because Paul says he's pressing on to something. I'm not there yet, right? I haven't arrived, but I'm pressing on to something. Question, if you've not arrived yet, and we've kind of established 100% of us aren't there yet, what are you pressing on toward? what What are you putting your time and energy, your focus into? Right? And again, it's not meant to disparage anything. It can be very good things. What are you, just, it's just an honest, what are you pressing on to? What are you pressing on to? Maybe, honestly, you're not, and you kind of just go where the wind blows. I don't know. Right? But what are you pressing on to? It can even be a hobby. Right? Things come and go in your life, and you get focused. I remember a few years ago before the pandemic, some of you know I, I competed in the National Senior Games in the track and field, ran 50s and the 100s, and, and you know, I, I, I wanted to press on. I, I, got, I, I wanted to pursue this goal to qualify for nationals, and, you know, and I had to do what he had to do, the assessment. I had to take the honest assessment. So in order to get to the nationals, they have minimum performance standards. Either you go to a state, meet, you get first, second, or third, or you meet a minimum performance standard to go to nationals. So, you know, I got this idea, and I kind of decided to go, like Paul, press on to this. I got to get there. I want to get there. So I look up these times, and I'm like, oh, I, I haven't run since high school, so I'm like, I have no clue. So I decide, you know, I should probably go to Nordoff, measure off 50 meters, and just get a starting point. And hopefully I don't hurt myself in the process, Right? <laughs> And so I get out there, and I measure it off, and, and you know, then I do 100. And I, and I had to do this starting point because, you know, I got, this, I got all excited about this goal. And, you know, I'm going to go to Birmingham, Alabama, and I'm going to qualify, but I got to know where to start. So I get out there, and I run my first, you know, and I time it and get my time. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty far away from the minimum performance standard. <laughs> little, little reality check. School anymore, bro. <laughs> but I had to go into training. 
I had to press on. If, the, if, I, was, if I really wanted this, and I went to, I think the first time I, I, was, uh, I missed the California game, so I went to Nevada and qualified at their Nevada State Games, because you can qualify at any state games. So I qualified there and went to Birmingham, and then two years later, we, I raced at uh, Albuquerque. But it was the same process. There was this goal, and you have this realistic assessment, and you have to choose to press on. You have to choose discipline. You got to get out there and train. You got to work hard, right? In, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, he says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That word train yourself for godliness, that's where we get the word gymnasium. So, so the idea of, of godliness, of pressing on even to, to be more holy, more like Christ, you got you to press on. It's not going to happen just on its own. Okay? And then he says in, in Philippians 2.12, he says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. This is an important verse because... If we're not careful, we can inadvertently begin to ask God simply to bless my plans, to bless what I would like him to do for me, right? In Philippians 2.12, leave that up, Jordan. This is an important passage, and I put it in the NIV because it's a little bit easier to kind of get what's going on here. It says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived. Okay, that's what he's talking about. But I press on, and then he says this, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So what he's doing, he's saying, you know what? I'm pressing on. I want to apprehend. I want to get hold of something. And the thing that I want to hold is the thing that Christ took hold of me. Like, did you ever think, like, why did Christ get hold of me? See, he's saying, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So the question is, what's Christ Jesus' plan for you? What's God's plan for you? Because he, in his mind, this is a very important clause or statement phrase. He's syncing up what he wants with what God wants. He's not saying, Lord, please bless my plans. Here's, here's my agenda. Please bless my agenda. Paul is now saying, you know what? I'm pressing on because I want what God wants for me. Now, here's what God wants for you, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Here's the foundational what. Christ took hold of you. He took hold of me. According to verse 29, to become like Jesus. Amen? So, what Paul is saying is, I'm pressing on to be like Jesus because that's why God called me and chose me in the first place, to be like Jesus. Amen? See, what, why is this so important? Because the wills are in sync now. I don't feel like, and Paul's no longer battling God to get him to do his will. What Paul has said is, you know what? Remember Jesus in the garden says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Paul is saying, you know what? 
The core what in my life is now in sync with the core of why I'm even saved, to become like Jesus and glorify God. Amen? That is where a lot of us, if we're not careful and you don't understand this and you don't get in sync with God first, you end up feel like you're battling God, trying to coerce God, trying to earn, trying to do something to get God to do what you want him to do, when all along, we're supposed to get with his plan. All along, we're supposed to get in line with him. If, according to Romans 20, uh, 8, 29, he chose them to become like his son, well, then my number one prayer, my number one what should be to become like his son. Then my core what, my core will, is in line with God's core will. And then you go to the Holy Spirit, and you get everything we talked about for all those months. It's very important. Because question, how many of you, how many, how many times have I done this, where I feel like I have to get God to bend to my will? If God would only, how many of you have asked God to only change a coworker's How many of you have ever asked God to change someone else? And God's like, nope, I'm changing you. Remember the apostle Paul, the thorn? Oh God, this thorn, this railroad spike in my life, take it away, take it away, take it away. He's like, nope, three times. Nope, nope, nope. Why not? Because by allowing the thorn, God's will was to make him more like Christ because he was more dependent You see, a lot of us, you got to take this, you got to sit back and go, am I trying constantly and repeatedly to get God to bend to me? Maybe that's why you come to church. Maybe that's why you do what you do, all the good things, because secretly you're hoping that God will bend to your will. Versus the Apostle Paul, hey, I press on just to be in sync with God, what God wants for me, Right? That's what we do here as a church. It would be easy for us to get swayed into a whole lot of different church programs and this and this. But at the core, you know what the elders? We seek the Lord for his will for the church. What is God's plan for the church? Not what we want. Not what we think is a grand idea. We genuinely, as elders, submit this church to the Lord. It's yours. We want to be in step with you. Remember, we we walk in step, keep in step with the Spirit. So the question is, again, maybe you've been stuck. Maybe you've been battling God. Because remember we talked about a a few weeks ago, you've been kicking against the goads. Remember the goads? Right? Farmer trying to get an ox to go a certain way to plow a field, and the goad is a long, sharp stick. Right? And the ox, who's stubborn and rebellious, says, I don't want to go that way. Right? And the farmer's like, go this way. And the ox, who's stubborn and rebellious, kicks against the goad. And who feels the pain of kicking against the goad? The ox. And we talked about how many of us in our life are like the ox. We're kicking against the goads. God's like, no, come over here. Come over here. No, 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 God. I really like her. No, no, no. I really like him. No, no, no. I know what I'm doing. You're spoiling it, God. Right? So many of us kick against the goads. And Paul, fundamentally, he says, you know what? I'm pressing on, and I want my will, my, my, my energies, my focus, concentration is in sync with what God wants for me to be like Jesus.
That's the fundamental what. That's the fundamental what, okay? Verse 13, he says this. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. It says, one thing I do. I like Psalm 86, 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. In the NIV, it says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I love how Ray Pritchard, he kind of um, paraphrases this. He says, put me together, Lord, because right now my life is scattered in a thousand directions. Anyone? Feeling like that a little bit? And so Paul says, you know what? I'm pressing on, and he's narrated this one thing. What's the one thing in your life? Can you say there's one thing? Or, as Ray Pritchard says, is your life scattered in a thousand directions right now? Just a thousand directions, right? And, and that's really what I, I want to focus on for the rest of our time together is this, this idea of one thing. Because, see, here's the thing. I kind of know that the one thing should be my relationship with God. How many of you know that, that the one thing should be that? Operative word is should, right? Which means I should spend time with the Lord in the morning, or I should come to church, or I should be engaged. And so we know that here, that that should be the one thing. How many of you, if that's your, you know that should be the one thing, how many of you tend to, and I'm going to raise my hand too, how many of you tend to have that one thing get lost in a lot of other things? Anyone? Right? We know what the one thing ought to be. Love the Lord, the God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We know the one thing. But it gets lost in a thousand other things. Right? And, and, you know, this, this particular message I often share with you, man, the Lord, you know, has to do a number on me before I teach this, probably just to keep me where I need to be kept. But, you know, this idea of one thing, right? So I've been in ministry 30 years and walking with the Lord a little bit longer than that. I still know that I should wake up and first thing I should do is just have a quiet time. I just, I know that. It, it, and I know when I've done that and I've had seasons of doing that, there, there are good seasons. This week was one of those weeks. I was focused on some other things. And man, morning after morning, I would get up and I would somehow justify that I needed to just take care of this one thing, Lord. Then I'll get to my quiet time. I just got to take this one thing. I'm just going to focus. I'm just, just five minutes, and then I'll get to you. Five hours later, I am like, you knothead. And, I, and, you know, there were some trials and tribulations this week, and it was a battle. I know the one thing. I teach you the one thing. And I knew I was going to have to say this. And yet several times this week, knowing, getting up, I wake up, my body clock gets me at 5 a.m. I'm up, I'm moving, and I know, I know I have the choice. I can go to the living room where it's quiet and everything, or I can jump on my computer and take care of a few things. And I'm just confessing this week, that one thing 
got quickly shoved to a few urgent things that I needed to take care of. And, and so I just share this with you because this is rubber meets the road things, right? We're up here, we're like, oh, for the glory of Christ, your, your you know, ornament, woo-hoo, right? And then on Tuesday, I'm like, let me just turn on my computer. Let me just check this. And next thing I know, three hours later, I'm like, man, Lord, I just blew it again, right? That one thing got lost in a lot of other things. And then my day's gone, and I'm in the work schedule here, and it's done. That time with the Lord, the one thing, that's foundational. Everything else just got, because I chose it. I'm just telling you. I don't blame anyone. I can't blame my wife. She's still asleep at 5 a.m. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah, you're asleep, right? You know, so I get it. Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And I think that that's honestly where my one thing gets lost in other things, because I really believe I can do both. I really believe that Somehow I can manage both. And in this verse, you know, this verse, as I was studying towards the end of the week, I'm like, okay, there's my zinger. I'm trying to do too much. And I think that that's, it's not like bad things, but I think a lot of us, the one thing gets lost because quite frankly, we're trying to do too much. We're trying to do too much. And then we start to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. And then we think, this is what I think. This is my step of faith. When I choose to go to my computer at 5.30, after I wake up and da-da-da, what I'm saying is, Lord, I don't know if I trust you enough to spend time with you first. Lord, I think I need to handle this first because this needs my attention. Do you see what's going on? It's a faith step. Honestly, to put the one thing and keep the one thing where it needs to be honestly requires a step of faith. Do you trust, do I trust God enough that I, if I spend time with the God of the universe who owns everything <laughs> and knows everything, isn't that crazy? Like, I think that I'm gonna fix and work through and achieve all these goals in my life and I don't need the God of the universe's help on the front end. How crazy is that? But that's just the flesh, right? You can't serve God in money. But in my mind, because I went to school and I'm pretty smart and I'm A-driven and da-da-da and I got all these tests, I just think, I got it. I got it. And if I need your help, big guy, I'll let you know. But I'm up at 5.30 on my computer, starting my day, and I'll check in with God if I need him. That's where the one thing gets, gets lost. Right? I'm just trying to be honest with you that, that I get it. I get it. It's tough. And so, how do, we, how do we navigate this? What can we do to keep the one thing where it needs to be, to press on towards the goal, right? Thought of this story, and it's familiar to many of you in Luke 10 of Martha and Mary. Jesus comes into their house, and they have two very different reactions to Jesus being in their house, okay? In the New Living, we're going to read it in the New Living and then the ESV. 
Luke 10. As Jesus and the disciples continue on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I'm guessing that's not the answer Martha thought she was going to get, right? In the ESV, I want to read in the ESV again because the language is, is very colorful. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, Okay. So check this out. So Jesus and his entourage. Hey, Martha, can we come in? Come on in. So Jesus and his entourage come in. All right. Martha goes into hospitality mode. Anybody here resonate with Martha so far? Jesus and the disciples are here. Right? Maybe you were raised that way. We were raised that way. You get visitors at the house. We raised, they get the best of everything, right? You're like, oh, mom, that was my ice cream. Shh, give it to them, right? And so, right, hospitality mode. Clean up, clean up. Throw everything in the closet, right? How many of you have the hidden room when guests come, right? Just don't look in there, right? We all have that. So Martha goes into Jesus is here mode, right? Okay, that's what's going on. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Martha is taking care of business. Wants to do everything correctly, traditionally, all the etiquette. Check, 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 check. Mary decides to go sit and chill with Jesus by the fireplace or wherever. It says, sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Get the picture of the two sisters. Same Jesus. Two completely different reactions going on here, okay? Two completely different one things going on here, okay? It says, Martha was distracted with much serving, okay? This, this, this word distracted, that's why I like it. It says, a mind surrounded with so many objects of care that it hardly knows which one to attend to first. Anyone? How many of you got so much on your plate, you don't even know? You're just spinning plates. How many of you feel like you're just spinning plates? And all you're doing is looking for the one that might fall. That's the one that needs the attention, right? She's distra- it means a mind pulled in a thousand directions to be troubled, distressed, to be overoccupied, too busy. Any amens? Okay, if you've been there, that's Martha. That's what's going on, Okay. And it's so funny because, can you imagine, Martha? I can see how this happened. She starts going into Martha mode, preparing dinner. Every once in a while, peeking at Mary. Mm. (laughs) 
Anyone ever tried to get anyone's attention to try to help you? Clanging dishes. Anyone ever get so frustrated somewhere like, I can't believe. Anyone ever say, I can't believe that they can't raise a finger. Look at her. Look at her. How could she? And it turns inward. And you start to stew. Anyone start to stew? And temperatures like this. Right? And then your mind starts going crazy. Right? And here's the crazy thing. This is, she, she gets to the boiling point. Rattling the dishes <coughs> didn't help. Mary, just sitting there, Jesus' feet, just sitting there. Martha preparing dinner for everybody. It wasn't just Jesus, it was the disciples. Making sure everyone's taken care of. Everyone's taken care of. While Mary sits there. Oh, Jesus. Right? Look what happens. Martha was distracted by the big dinner with much serving. She went up to him, went up to Jesus. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Anyone ever get to the boiling point where you just pop off? Anyone? Martha. And she goes to Jesus. She like, it's an accusation. Yo, dude, don't you care? Tell her to help me. There was this grand assumption that he was going to tell her to get up and help. See, she, she was so consumed with being right and her one thing that she lost perspective. The problem with Martha is that no one else was on her page. And a lot of us, when we kind of get off on the one thing and we miss the one thing and we start to get consumed with how we feel and we start judging and we have these expectations and attitudes, we think we're right. Martha got to the place where she thought she was so right that she was going to confront Jesus in front of everyone and tell him what to do. I've been there where I get so frustrated and... How many of you ever got so frustrated at a situation or at someone that you decide to tell God what to do? That's what's going on here. And it's just a difference of one things. Martha got fixated. Oh, Jesus is here. One thing I got to do. Sends her down this path. Mary. Oh, Jesus is here. One thing I got to do. It's a difference of one things. Two completely different paths, right? And then look at Jesus, Jesus' reaction. He, he corrects her. Verse 41. But the Lord said, the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. I love that where it says Mary has chosen the good portion. You know what the word picture is? Food on like a buffet table, and you choose the best one. So he's like, Martha, Martha, you're, you're worried. You're troubled. 
That word worry is actually interesting. The etymology, the, the background of the word worry means choke and strangle. Right? You're being choked and strangled, Martha. And that word um, troubled means turbulent, violently agitated. How many of you have ever been violently agitated? Worried and violently agitated, right? And, and he says, only one thing is necessary. And Mary looked at the, all the dishes, all the food on the table, and she chose the best one. And I'm not taking that from her. Right? Mary chose the best portion, the one thing that was really necessary, which was what? To sit at the feet of Jesus. Martha was so consumed with the one thing and all the things that she missed Jesus. She was so consumed with serving that she missed the privilege to sit. And that's where this spoke to me. It's like, Richie, why do you wake up in the morning and go into Martha mode? That's what I do. I go into Martha mode. One thing I need to do, Lord, turn on my computer and get started with the day because I have a full schedule. He's like, why can't you be like Mary and just come sit with me and let me help you decide what the agenda for the day should be? Amen? This is what I'm saying. Sometimes I wake up and I think I know the agenda, so I turn on the computer and I start all my work. And I don't even say, Lord, like Mary, let me just sit at your feet, be in your word, let me pray, and then ask you, Lord, what are your priorities for the day? They might be the same, they might not, but how many of us are even willing to sit at the feet of Jesus in the morning and say, your will be done? I choose the best portion. And according to this passage, the, the illustrations, the best portion is what? To sit with Jesus. The best one thing in my life, in your life, is what Mary did. Now, this doesn't mean you don't work hard. This doesn't mean, you know, honey, can you take out the trash? I'm like Mary right now. I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. Thank you. It's not that. Okay, so I'm going to dispel any of those. <laughs> try to pull a try to pull a out of context moment like, "No, I'm sorry, honey. I can't wash the car. I can't. No. No, I can't watch the kids. I'm I'm being like Mary right now." No, you can't do that. That's not what this is about. It's about sitting at the feet of Jesus long enough to hear from him, love him, let him love you, and then Go out into the day in his strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let him do the plan of the day. Do this. It might even be the same, but not because you spent time with him and because you have this peace and confidence and you've been like spiritually prepared, you can attack it so differently. Amen? That's the Mary difference. Mary is not an excuse not to do anything. It's not an excuse for laziness. It's about priorities. It's about Learning from Mary that the one thing, the first priority, is to sit at the feet of Jesus. Okay? That's what we need to do. So interesting, even in ministry, 
we struggle with this. Leonard Ravenhill says this, if I had spent more time alone with God rather than preaching and planning how I was going to change the world, I would be a very different man. (laughs) This is a very subtle trap for people in my line of business because it's easy for me to turn on the computer and get into sermon prep and counseling and all that I need to do and actually leave God. I can be a Martha as a pastor. It's very, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Don Whitney says this, no factor is more influential in making us more like the Son of God than the Spirit of God working through the Word of God. How does that happen? When you sit at his feet, like Mary. That's the one thing. The one thing is to desire to be like Christ. And how do we do that fundamentally? We begin by sitting at the feet of Jesus. It's relationship. It's relationship. J. Vernon McGee says this. I love this. My frustrated, confused friend, are you at the corner of life where you do not know which way to turn? Then, for goodness sake, sit down. Sit at Jesus' feet. Look in his word and see what he has to say. It will help you with your housework. It will make you a better dishwasher. It will help you sweep the floors cleaner. You will dig a a better ditch, mow a better lawn, and study your lesson better. Your work at the office will be easier, and you will be able to drive your car better. Just take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Mary chose the best part. Our world is crazy right now. And for some, the best part Sitting at the feet of Jesus will mean you turn off your TV. The best part will be turning off social media. Because all that does is spin you into Martha mode. And your many things now include the economy. Your many things include the government. Your many things include global issues. Nothing wrong with being involved in any of that. But if it's spinning you into Martha mode, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice. And if you find yourself even battling with turning off the TV and the news and social media, you got to ask yourself, why is that such a battle? Why am I so addicted to this? Why am I so entrenched in this? Why is, what, are you, what is it doing to you physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually that you can't even turn it off for 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours? What's the fear? What's the anxiety? What are you afraid is going to happen if you're not there to watch it? It's Martha mode. The one thing I have to do is turn on the, fill in the channel of the news. That's your one thing. Hmm? Really? You've got to be really careful. The apostle Paul says, one thing I do, I'm pressing on. And what I'm pressing on to do is be more like Jesus because that's why God saved me, to be more like Jesus. Amen? See, when we get focused like Martha, when we lose focus like Martha and we get into the many things, you know what happens? We forget our main priority, which is to glorify God and be like Jesus. If you come back to that this week, you might find your life got really simple. And all of the many things that are worrying you and agitating you may suddenly be put in their right place, right? Remember in Matthew 6, Jesus says, hey, you know what? Don't worry about all the things of life. What does he say? 
Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Do you believe it? Do you trust it? That's a faith step. That's what I was challenged with this week. Richie, do you trust me enough to provide and take care of all these issues you're dealing with? Do you trust me enough to seek me first? Do you trust me enough not to turn on your computer before you sit at my feet? That is a faith step. I mean, that's just a faith step. That's the zinger for me. Do I trust God enough to sit at his feet, the God of the universe who owns everything, provides everything, has never been unfaithful or anything? Do I trust him enough that if I sit at his feet, listen to his word, love him, that he will provide over here? It's a faith step. It's a faith step. Okay? And so the core of why we do everything or the glory of God? The core that we're going to continue to look at in Philippians 3 for Paul, what do we do at the core? We just want to be like Jesus. We press on to be like Christ. Okay? That way our will, our core will, is in sync with God's core will. That's what I want to be on that. I want to be on that team, right? I want to be in sync with what God wants for me. How many of you want to be in sync with God's plan for your life? Okay, God's plan for your life in Romans 8.29 was to be like Jesus. Start there. Come back. And if you need to confess that you've been trying to get God to do your, your way, your will, confess that. Confess that. Okay? And in the end, it's, just, it's ultimately about love. In the new covenant, it is a love relationship. Matthew 22. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, asked, one of them a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great, great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. That's the one thing. How do I do this every day? The one thing. Start your day purposing to love God. And here's the fruit of loving God. John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. You see, it's very interesting. Jesus says in John 14, if I will focus on loving him, the fruit of my life will be obedience. I will want to obey. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, I will obey. But some of us flip that and we jump into Martha mode to try to prove our love. Obedience is a fruit. It's not trying to prove anything. Amen? So you got you to gotta wrestle with these. Focus on loving, loving God with your whole being. So much more will take place if you, like Mary, what was Mary doing? Loving Jesus. The great word picture of sitting at Jesus' feet. Because I love him. Because I love him. Okay? That's the word picture. Henry Blackaby says this. What is the one thing God wants from you? He wants you to love him with all your being. That is the greatest commandment. A love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in life. I hear many persons say, I really struggle trying to have that time alone with God. If that is a problem you face, let me suggest something to you. Make the priority of your life to come to love him with all your heart. You see, 
studying, coming to church, reading your Bible, learning verses, it's not band-aid theology. What I mean by band-aid theology? Hey, pastor, I'm dealing with this issue. Can you give me a verse? Here's a band-aid. A lot of us grew up in the church with band-aid theology, looking for verses to fix issues and owies in our life. When truly under the new covenant, what we want you to do is as elders and pastors here, we want you just to love God. Love him, and you might just find that so much of that's the stuff that you've been dealing with, the Martha stuff, kind of takes care of itself. Because the more you love him, the more he's going to change your heart. The more he changes your heart, the more you're going to want to be more like Jesus, and you're going to walk like Jesus, and he's going to transform you. Why? Because you love him. You love them. That's kind of what we try to, in the end, we just want you to love Jesus. <laughs> just love them.
Uh, we're going to dismiss the kids to Kingdom Kids at this time, so uh, you guys are going to meet your leaders right back there. And why don't we just let the kids know how much we love them as they head out to Kingdom Kids. All right. Wow, we got a bunch today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know it's midsummer and uh, families are still traveling, getting in the last vacation before school starts in a couple of weeks. And uh, some of you are still, some of you probably at home are still battling with the illnesses. And uh, we prayed that you would get better soon. And, and it's just kind of that summer, that summer scattering. And uh, so we're looking forward to getting the church family uh, back together in the next couple of weeks, and uh, we're looking forward to today. Uh, it has been a busy summer, and we do want to uh, start announcements with some celebrations. Uh, last Sunday, we just want to praise God for the baptisms that happened out on the patio. Yeah, you can uh, put those up right there. There it is, the inflatable baptismal sauna spa, 90 degree. That, uh, that was awesome. You know, and, and we celebrate that as a church family. It is just an incredible privilege and opportunity uh, as, for us to be a part of that. Uh, if you leave that one up, it's really cool because uh, Chris, who's next to me in that picture, you know, we had said, you know, maybe someone out there in that afternoon, you'll, you'll just kind of feel prompted to, to jump in and get baptized. And, and that was Chris last Sunday. And, uh, you know, he just felt led of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit to get baptized. And it was our privilege to kind of do that impromptu, spontaneous thing with Chris. So uh, we want to let you know, you know, sometimes uh, the way that church works, you know, we try to calendar everything and we try to put things on, on the schedule. When it comes to baptisms, we really don't want to quench or constrain the Holy Spirit. If you've not been baptized and you want to be baptized, you don't have to wait for the quarterly calendar to come out for the next baptism. Let one of us know. We can, uh, we can fire that uh, baptismal up anytime. Uh, we, we got several families who have swimming pools, and we can uh, uh, join you over there. But uh, by all means, by all means, baptism is an incredible celebration. It's just a, a wonderful time to, to really externally uh, declare to the world, you know what, I love the Lord, and Baptism is my way of showing that. So we celebrate that. Uh, also celebrating youth and youth ministry and what God has been doing through the team this summer. This past Wednesday, they had their first all-nighter. And uh, how many of you are way past all-nighter? How many of you call it like 8 o'clock is like all night for me, all right? Well, that generation still loves all-nighters. They went to golf and stuff first, came back here around 10 o'clock, and then they, I think they, a lot of them made it all night. And then uh, Nadine and I showed up to cook breakfast and give the leaders a break for a bit. Uh, but incredible, incredible uh, ministry happening uh, this summer. Uh, and for uh, the teens, just want to let you know, uh, on Wednesday, August 24th, you're invited to the uh, all-family gathering that we're having. That's sort of the official kickoff to fall, and so the teens are invited there. And then Crossroads will kick off the following week after that, Okay. Uh, women's, like I said, uh, women's event coming up tomorrow, and uh, this is Kathy Bodycomb. If you don't know her, she's the uh, ministry lead over women's ministry. Good morning. Um, just, to, just a reminder, tomorrow is, uh, tomorrow evening, we are having our discussion on the reflection of the Psalms. Um, I do want to thank all the women who have um, shared, uh, like, every week, as Kathy did today. Um, you know, we all have a story. We all have a journey. And to have...
the word of God speak to us along that journey is amazing. Um, it is what we want to hear. We want to hear that God is for us. We want to hear that God is with us. And reading the Psalms gives us sometimes the words to say to him and his word to us. And so thank you, each of you who have shared part of your journey, part of your story that includes um, God speaking to you through the Psalms. Um, so tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, here at the well, um, just all women are invited. Please come. We will have dessert, um, if that influences anyone to come. Um, and there are still a few of these um, kind of the questions or study type of guide. Um, you don't have to do it, but it's just, if you'd like it, we still have a few that are out on the cart um, for that for tomorrow night. And just a quick reminder that there's the um, watercolor workshop. Few spaces are still available. That's August 27th. 9.30 here at the well. So thanks. Great. Thank you, Kathy. A couple more things uh, coming up. Uh, next Saturday, uh, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, uh, myself and my wife, we're hosting, facilitating a parenting class uh, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. here. And, and really the heart of the class is just a biblical foundation of understanding, you know, what does it mean to, to raise a family? What, is that, what does that mean? What does scripture say? Uh, because if we don't take the time to think about that, oftentimes we sort of just parent the way we were parented. Or maybe we just sort of, you know, pick and choose and ask various people. Uh, this class is designed for, for you, moms and dads. We really would like both of you to come, if at all possible, to really sit down and have an opportunity. We're going to sit through some uh, teachings from uh, two different parenting conferences, a uh, chance to answer some questions, and really to kind of call time out and say, wait a sec, you know, what is a family? What is God's definition of a family? What, what are we even aiming at, right? And so, because it's really easy, you know, I've had five kids, and they're, what, 20 to 30, just turned 30, and so we know what it's like, and, and sometimes, you know, you just get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent, and you go, 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 you do this, sports, school, da-da-da, and if you're not careful... If you don't chart a course, you know, you can just get caught up in the to-dos. And so uh, next Saturday, we're going to have a wonderful opportunity to uh, look at some incredible teaching and to build relationships with one another. I encourage you to come. Uh, right now, we have child care for those kids who are three years old and older and are potty trained, okay? Uh, the team has been incredible. They've been a, doing a great job trying to put it together. It's summer. It is so hard to get... Uh, staffing right now. So childcare right now is offered for those who are three years old and older who are potty trained, and there is a possibility they're still working through uh, nursery care. And if you're interested, uh, sign up on the welcome cart and let us know how many kids and maybe their ages, and we'll let you know about the nursery in the next day or two. Uh, but really, it's a chance for you to really come out and say, you know what, what are we doing? Are we, are we, are we, are we, where we, are we navigating this? What does God say? right? And to, to really take an honest look. And uh, again, it's not a parenting class on techniques and, you know, there's, you know, the whole spectrum on, on all kinds of different topics. This is really a biblical framework for a biblical approach to parenting. And just so you know, we have people coming who don't even have kids yet. We've got a couple couples coming who, uh, Lord willing, may, may at one point... Um, <laughs> Have a child, maybe. Uh, we even have some singles coming 
who, you know, they're still a couple steps. They still got to wait on the Lord for the spouse. And they, but, but, you know, they, they're at that age where, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I don't, I don't, I'm not in a relationship yet, but I sure would like to know, you know, the biblical, kind of a biblical framework for parenting if and when the Lord wills that I get married and have kids. Again, it's, it's foundational. I think it's actually going to be very challenging because uh, we can just get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent and not really take the time to ask some hard questions, ask some real questions. Why are we doing this? What is the goal, and why do we even decide to do what we do? And you might find yourself uh, building some friendships with other parents and kind of be on the journey together, okay? So sign up on the, on the welcome card if you're interested, and we'll be in touch with you about the nursery. Uh, uh, in a couple of Wednesdays, we have Wednesday at the well. It's a Wednesday night, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., and we really want to encourage you as a church family to come out it's designed to end the summer and sort of officially kick off the fall. It's just a fun night with family. We're going to be out on the patio. There'll be refreshments and games. And Are we getting a jolly jump for this? I don't know if we're getting a jolly jump. Maybe we're getting a jolly jump. I don't know. But um, it's just to come out and regroup. Again, we know people are scattered with the last-minute vacations. And, you know, some of you I haven't seen all summer. So welcome back. Um, but come on out for Wednesday at the well. Just a fun night to kind of uh, uh, kick off the fall. And finally, Aubrey, where are you at, Aubrey? We have a, a wonderful opportunity um, through Homes of Hope, and uh, Aubrey wants to share that. Good morning. Uh, I'm going to move back here. Sorry, give me a second. Um. As you know, Mark and I and Susan are on the missions team um, to really pray about ways that we can serve in other places around the world, ways that we can be in prayer and helping those who are in need. Um, and something came to our attention a week or two ago. Through Homes of Hope, who you probably know, we have partnered with for several years um, in Mexico, building homes for those who don't have them. Uh, so there is an opportunity for the people of Ukraine through Homes of Hope. Um, it's actually happening very quickly. Um, YWAM Homes of Hope is partnering with YWAM in Kiev, and the plan is to build 100 emergency shelters. They have really harsh and extreme winters there, and there are so many displaced people um, who don't have shelter without loved ones. Um, they've lost a lot. And they are looking to raise $6,000 per home. Um, it's $5,000 for a house, $1,000 for the furnishings, and they're building them August 23rd to September 4th. So it's happening very soon. Um, this is just directly from their website. We came to walk these streets, to enter broken homes, and to look at devastation with hope. We take a step in boldness. It is boldness to claim that God cares, that God has not forgotten, that he can provide. As much as our hearts are breaking with grief and compassion, we are filled with hope. We walk with hope, holding God's hand and introducing this hope to people in tears. Um, so if you feel called or led to give um, to this ministry, you can find it on the Wells homepage on the website. 
Um, the link is buildinghopewithukraine.com. Um, I personally have felt a desire to, in some way, help these people who have lost so much. So um, if you have any questions, talk to Mark or I, and please be praying for the people of Ukraine. Thank you.